Tuesday, February 5th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Ron Gross, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, Uncle Joe Maker. Happy Tuesday, guys. Hey, Happy Tuesday. Chris. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about. We have the latest results from Yum Brands and Baidu. We have the U.S. Justice Department's latest action. Uh, and it's a holiday today, a very special holiday. <laughs> we'll get to that at the end. Uh, but uh, let's start with uh, what is probably the worst kept secret in the public markets, and that is the fact that Dell is finally, officially being taken private. What? Yes, oh, I know. No. Another $23 no. and I'll be whole. Uh, it's a $24.4 billion buyout. It is being financed by a motley crew, including Michael Dell, his investment firm, Silver Lake, uh, debt financing from Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, Barclays, Credit Suisse. So all Swiss. these people who were important in the 90s. Yes, exactly. Uh, RBC Capital Markets and a $2 billion loan from the good people at uh, Microsoft. The deep pockets of uh, Mr. Softy. Exactly. Ron, I'll start with you because you're a shareholder. The buyout is $13.65 a share. As you said, another $23 per I, share I higher, do, and you'll be all I set. I do now, own it at 36 I'm not going to lie. Um, I think I bought it back in 2005, and I actually received some paperwork the other day to be part of a class action lawsuit against Dell, which is fun. <laughs> um, listen, I think it's probably somewhat fairly valued. That seems about right. The, the business has completely deteriorated. The PC game has changed. They're trying to turn themselves into, I guess, IBM and, and, and do what IBM did in transitioning their business. Um, it's easier to do that. As a private company, Michael Dell, um, I wish him luck. Um, it, it remains to be seen. I'm happy to, to see Microsoft not putting in uh, equity or convertible debt. I, I believe it's just a straight-up loan. That's good with me. Michael Dell, no one should shed a tear for Michael Dell because it's worth pointing out that when the stock went public, I believe it was 1988, um, Nine cents a share, split adjusted. Yeah. So, so he, the buyout at thirteen sixty five. Good run. He, yeah, it's been a heck of a run. Uh, but what do you think of this, Joe? I mean, to Ron's point, this seems like uh, it says as much, if not more, about the PC industry and the PC mm-hmm. business than it does about one particular company. Yeah, PC manufacturing is a terrible business. Uh, consumer electronics hardware is such a tough business. We see this time and time again, and right now Dell is going through this. I think it's a very smart move for them. I agree with Ron that doing this outside the public eye is the right move. I also think investors are going to be disappointed if they think that there's going to be a lot better bid that comes out of this. The premium isn't very big off today's price, but if you go back to the pre-horrendously leaked price... Which you have to do. Right. Then it... It isn't unfair. And I mean, let's just be practical. You know, this is a company run by the founder who has a big ownership stake, and you know, you're just going to have to deal with that tough noogies. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think the, the price of the stock when the news first leaked was somewhere around $10.75 a share, somewhere in that neighborhood. So I mean, to your point, Ron, it's, it's a nice bump up from there. But if you're Hewlett Packard and you've been seeing this story play out over the last few weeks. You're, you're jealous. Uh, you're right. jealous. I was going to say, what do you think if you're on the board of directors? Aren't you, don't they have to consider this? Doesn't HP have to be the next company to go private? I, sure. I mean, if you don't need to access the capital markets, private's the way to go. I mean, unless you need an exit strategy or you need to raise capital for, for some big projects, um, it's much better to run your business out of the scrutiny of, of Wall Street, of investors, the media. Um, you can really be much more nimble and, and really think about the longer term instead of quarter by quarter. Yeah, I mean, the trouble with that is, you know, with Dell, they have, again, a founder-led business, still has a lot of equity still leading the business. HP is a pretty old company, depending on how you want to define it. It's, you know, 
parts being put together, but there's not like a founder standing back with a ton of cash and a ton of shares. So I don't really see that happening. Just to wrap up on this topic, if if you own shares, not necessarily of Dell, but if you own shares of a PC maker, is it time to just get out of that stock? I mean, it seems like just the straight Better PC business. Ever, when we talk about trends, it's undeniable the trends that we're seeing in the PC market. Yeah, deteriorating uh, business. It's not like PCs are going away, but certainly it's it's a different business than it used to be, and it, and it and growth is, is certainly decelerating and even going negative. Um, so I would say if you're going to take it at least uh, as a value play, you, you certainly have to make sure it's not a value trap. You, you, they all can't be winners here. You got to pick and choose very carefully. And I, I don't invest in tech hardware, man. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> The U.S. Justice Department has sued. It's like the Mager family creed. DOJ has sued Standard & Poor's rating services, alleging the firm ignored its own standards to rate mortgage bonds that imploded in the financial crisis and cost investors billions of dollars. Shares of McGraw-Hill, which is the parent company of Standard & Poor's, uh, was down more than 8% this morning. Ron, you used to work at S and P. I'm not. I'm not. And your point? I'm not aware of. I assume you're party to this lawsuit. <laughs> I first of all was on the equity side of Standard and Poor's, so I had absolutely nothing to do with the ratings That's side what of the Madoff business. Said. So let's get that straight. <laughs> um, I find the two things interesting. Um, the big thing here is. Um, the, the DOJ is saying there was an intent to defraud. So that's that's pretty serious stuff. And, of course, McGraw-Hill is coming out and saying it's entirely without factual or legal merit. So this is going to be a battle. They were trying to work it out for some time to settle this um, out of the court system. Obviously couldn't get that done. There was At one point, there was talk of a billion-dollar settlement. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, they, But they couldn't get it done. So here we are. You know, S&P ratings is important to McGraw-Hill. It's about 44% of their operating income. Um, so this, you know, this is a serious business in terms of, of the business in general, not just what the potential fines could be. Moody's also down slightly a couple of, a couple of percentage points that's this morning. Shaking sort over of, there, I was right? going to say, maybe that's sympathy uh, pains that they're feeling there. But, Joe, we talked the other day about the Justice Department and how aggressive it has been over the last few years, particularly with respect to mergers as we talked about with uh, the beer industry and the telecom industry. I'm assuming you're not at all surprised by this. No, but I am a little surprised at how long it took. Like we were joking the other day about you know someone coming out with a new book about the financial crisis. It's like, thanks for this fresh perspective right. <laughs> on this event we've been discussing. We've already sussed out for years. You know, it's a little, little late. The damage has certainly already been done. And the stock prices of these companies, while taking – it hit recently. You know, Moody's been on a tear over the past couple of years. So I don't think anybody's really hurting here. Even if they lose a big case, it's not going to end the business. How big a red flag is this for shareholders of McGraw-Hill or, frankly, for any comp- any shareholder when the Justice Department comes in with this kind of lawsuit? Obviously, they're going to defend it to the best that they can. But it just seems like this is the kind of thing that rightfully spooks investors. You know, yeah. I We'll see. I think there's... A, it's odd. Like, if these guys had a smoking gun, like an obvious gotcha, you know, card in their deck or in their hand, they would have already played it by now. They wouldn't have waited like emails, five years. Like emails from Ron Gross from when he was working <laughs> exactly. at Exactly. But, you know, five years is a long time to be sitting on that kind of information and not act on it. Right. I think it creates somewhat of an overhang, kind of a pall, if you will, over the stock. If the SEC gets involved um, from a civil litigation perspective, if additional shareholder lawsuits pop up as a result of people piling on... You know, it's 
not a great place to be right now. Lower sales in China hurt Yum Brand's fourth quarter earnings. The company also lowered guidance for 2013. Once again, Joe, it is the really terrible combo. Of, well, it's the year of the snake. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> okay. What would you think of Yum Brand's quarter? Not great, and their guidance was worse. But I do think this is a business that is in a great competitive position in China. They're very early to get in the fast food game, which there is not so much fast food. It's a little higher brow, a little more like KFC there is a little more like Chipotle is here. It's not what you think of as like low-end uh, fast food like right. you would say, you know, Yum Brands American franchises like Taco Bell. But it's a little higher brow, and they've done very well with it. And I think they'll continue to do that. Now, is it going to maybe suffer a little bit? They were rolling off tough comps. Yeah, sure. But great business, and I definitely would be interested at these prices. Yeah, I, they've had some some major issues with uh, safety and, and, and chicken, um, some antibiotic use and some things that kind of created a little bit of a mess over there. Let me let me uh, quote directly <laughs> from the CEO, David Novak, who yeah. referred to what you're, what you're referring to as, quote, adverse publicity from the poultry supply situation. There you go. Yeah, yeah a customer was attacked by a chicken sandwich. Yeah, yeah they, were, they were, were uh, using antibiotics to a degree that I think uh, is frowned upon there. So you know, the comps, comps in China were down. Down six percent um, versus like India. I think their comps were up twenty four percent, which is pretty exciting. But they're going to open seven hundred stores in China um, in, in the not too um, distant future. So they're still betting big. So when you see the stock getting hit like it is today, not to a massive amount, but it is getting hit. Did you, does that do your eyes light up as sort of a buy, buying opportunity? Yeah, I was definitely interested. I mean, there's so much value in being early. You know, you build out a brand, a distribution system. And if you look at what McDonald's has done in the U.S., consistently they have the best physical locations of fast food chains that you come across. And that's just incredibly valuable that pays dividends literally for decades. And it's the year of the snake. Yeah. (laughs) Again, I don't know what that means. Baidu's fourth quarter revenue rose more than 41% to just over a billion dollars or so, Ron. I am compelled to ask, why are shares down about 9% this morning? Because 36% growth in net income just ain't enough. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it, it is the, it's the smallest increase since the first quarter of 2009. And for a stock like this, um, take your Googles, your Amazons, whatever it has, uh, have you – the street doesn't like to see that. So it's actually tough for a value guy like me who actually thinks this is a value investment. Um, we, I think there's only about 10 to 12% growth priced in right here on an annual basis. And so you see a 36%, you're like, woohoo, this is great. And then the stock sells off 10%. So for a value investor, very hard to play these kinds of, of companies, these types of investments. I think it works out in the long run, but you've kind of got to dis- you got to look away on a quarter by quarter basis. You agree with that? Yeah. I mean, Ron and I have talked about this. The way that I think a lot of tech companies like Baidu are valued is that there is a high amount of expectation built into the first couple of years in your model. And then analysts or the market collectively just drops like a stone in terms of expectations later. So that's why I feel like a lot of value guys, self-included, run into the situation where you're like, well, I have this price for like 10% over 10 years and it's up 30%. You know, in terms of sales, why is it not doing well? And it's because you know the market has a thirty percent for the first three years, but after that, zero percent. Yeah, and so yeah, agreed. And much like Facebook, Google, everyone nowadays, they've got to figure out mobile. And so there's a lot of uncertainty there. They're spending a lot of money. There'll probably be some acquisitions to kind of attack mobile there. So you know, you see higher spending, growth slowing, the future is uncertain. That that's what sells stocks off. Yeah, and the yum comps 
probably aren't helping either. I mean, you have two different major Chinese players reporting today, and neither of them are particularly good. Let me spot you up with some numbers. Uh, and this is the market share in China for search engines. Uh, this is as of last October, Ron. Baidu, 73% of the market. Uh, Chihu, which is a company we talked about on InvestorBeat, I believe, last week, has about 10%. Uh, a company called Sogu, 8%. Google is 5%. Now, on the one hand, I look at that and think, wow, that's, that is dominant. In a word, 73% of the market is dominant. On the other hand, I look at that and say, how much more of that market are they going to be able to get? Right. Only only place to go is down. And Chihu 360, as you said, uh, people are, are a little bit concerned. They're coming up relatively fast. They have some Who's good, concerned? Good people per- at Baidu? Yeah, investors. Um, I, don't, I haven't spoken to the Baidu folks okay. specifically. <laughs> but I think investors are thinking that this is a pretty competitive business and, and Chihu is, um, is coming up quick. So I agree, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to go from 77 to 85. They're going to go from 77 to 70. Yeah, but to their credit, Baidu is following the Google playbook, which is very smart. You know, not to be mean, but almost everything Baidu does is straight out of the Google playbook, but it's working well for them. It's a good uh, playbook. Yeah, but they're working They're working to get closer to their customer, move upstream in terms of operating systems and browsers. I think that's smart, and I think that'll help them maintain their share advantage. I don't own shares of Google, but I'm pretty sure their playbook says something along, along the lines of make money. <laughs> And That's, they do it well. Yeah. They do it well. Uh, finally, Dine Equity is the parent company of the International House of Pancakes. Yesterday, shares hit an all-time high. No coincidence when you consider that today is, in fact, National Pancake Day. Uh, you can get a free short stack of pancakes uh, at any IHOP location in America. There are over 1,500 locations. And they're accepting donations on behalf of the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Uh, and the great thing about that is that's, that's not like a centralized thing. It actually benefits your local children's hospital. So nice. it's, a ni- it's a nice thing. And uh, I think we should, uh, after we're done with this, we should. There's like a half dozen IHOPs within a 10 minute drive of Full <laughs> HQ. So I think we should get out to one. I'm in. Do you have a go to pancake? I printed we have out. discussed this. I printed out the menu off of the IHOP website, and they've got, they've got, they got red velvet pancakes, mm-hmm. they've got banana caramel. Yeah. Banana's where I go. That's that's my go-to. That's your go- you're yeah. not a New York cheesecake pancake. No, I am guy? actually not. No, it's not <laughs> jo- Joe, what's your go-to? raspberry? Raspberry. Mm. I gotta say, fresh fruit on top of pancakes. You warm it up a little bit. Whipped cream or no whipped cream? I'm not. Oh, a big, n- oh yeah. I'm not, not me either. No, oh, not yeah. really. Not really. Just like w- warm up some blueberries and some syrup and put that on top. Some- well, I want the syrup too and the butter and the bacon on the side. <laughs> oh yeah. Always. Starving. Joe Mager, Ron Gross. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.